Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Therapists in the Wild. Last week, we talked about how to be most effective when getting what you want or your objective is your relative priority by using a simple yet straightforward dear man. Um, and that's the acronym for kind of the script that helps you get what you want in interpersonal situations. One thing that we've been thinking about that we wanted to emphasize is that, you know, for us at this point, we've gone through this many times, we've taught this in group, we've helped clients with it. So not that it comes naturally because we have to think about it every time. And we've gotten a little speedier at, you know, at constructing these dear man's, these scripts. Um, when you first start out though, it really can be, can feel quite cumbersome, I think, to remember all of these different steps and you may need to kind of write it out like a script. We really just encourage you to practice. This is one of those skills that does not work until you deliver it in real life many times. So we just want you to kind of take this from the podcast to your lives um, so that you can really get the most out of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really like learning any, like learning a new language almost, you know, mm -hmm. you think about if you take one hour a week of Spanish lessons or something, it doesn't mean that you kind of know how to speak it. It's yeah. really the practice in between those sessions that it's so, so critical. Yeah. Um, and it might be a little clunky at first too. I know when I first learned this skill, like it would, I would forget a letter or it wouldn't go the way that I wanted to, but, and that's all to be expected and okay. That's kind of just part of the process of learning. So yeah. like, as I said, if you need to write it out first in advance, that helps a lot or start with simpler ones to begin with, um, ones that are less emotionally charged before going to the more challenging ones. That's also a strategy that can help you kind of gradually get comfortable using the skill. Um, but regardless, yeah, practice is key with this skill for sure. So let's talk about how we practice this week. So, you know, in, in my quarantine life, I haven't had so many opportunities um, to <laughs> interact with other humans, um, <laughs> at least not in person. I was thinking though of a situation back when I was in grad school where I had to deliver feedback in, you know, in a professional setting. And I think I was thinking about this for the podcast because delivering feedback is not something that I think a lot of us are taught to do from a young age. It can be quite challenging, anxiety provoking. It's just something that's not really talked about that much. So mm -hmm. I, I hope it, I hope it will be helpful to, to go through my example. Um, so just to kind of pull back the curtain here on therapy, um, something that's done in training for therapists often is, you know, you'll learn a new skill and then there will be a role play where two therapists will kind of practice um, delivering this new skill. And I was in a situation that I'm thinking of where we learned a new skill and then the person that I was doing the role play with just didn't really, you know, use the skill as it was instructed by the trainer. And so then it was my turn to give feedback and I had to kind of figure out a way to say that. <laughs> mm, that is not easy. No. Um, and I luckily had just learned the dear man skill. So I practiced it by saying, you know, something along the lines of, I love how you used X skill in this role play. 
And I noticed that Y skill that you delivered was different from the instructions that the trainer gave. And so it might be more effective next time to try it differently. And according to these, you know, guidelines that the trainer gave, I think it would really help you connect more with your clients. Yes. I love that. And that's, that type of a situation, like giving feedback in these professional situations, I feel like it's often elicited and it's challenging because you're both trying to achieve your objective of giving specific feedback that's really going to be helpful to the other person. And you also want to maintain the relationship because yeah. you're going to continue to work with these people. And it's just not an easy balance to strike um, because most people don't like hearing things that they could be doing better, you know? Yeah, that's, I, I think if I remember correctly, that's why I started with the, I love how you did X, you know, it's kind of like the yeah. shit sandwich um, <laughs> approach. <laughs> it works. I mean, I would respond a lot better if somebody started with what they liked about what I did and then went into the, the thing that I could be doing better. Yeah. One of the other things that I noticed about your dear man was that in your express, you express an opinion as opposed to an emotion. Mm -hmm. which, um, which express the express can be used for both of those. So the instructions are to express your opinion or an emotion about the situation. And so I think sometimes in professional situations, it can feel a little strange and maybe depending on the situation can be inappropriate to express an emotion. Yeah. And so expressing your opinion can achieve the same goal sometimes. So I like that you did that there. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that actually, as I was recalling it, for this episode and if I had said it you know it made me feel I don't know like frustrated or put off or something like that like it just would have felt so critical of the person in a way yeah. that was um totally ineffective so yeah so that's why I went with the opinion rather than the emotion let's move on to the scale of this week um before we get into it specifically, we just want to set the stage a little bit. Um, if you remember back to episode 15, we introduced the idea of clarifying your priorities in interpersonal interactions. Um, and the reason we did that is because as you'll see over the next couple weeks, how you deliver your dear man will differ depending on what your priority is. Yes, and so to, to do a little review, the three different priorities in interpersonal interactions are the objective, which is getting what you want. And that's kind of what we talked about last week in episode 16. Then we have the relationship, which involves both maintaining and improving relationships, as well as ending relationships that are no longer healthy. Mm -hmm. And lastly, we have the self-respect goal of keeping or improving your self-respect which basically means acting in a way that makes you feel capable, effective, proud of yourself, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so another reason that we started with Dear Man, in addition to just kind of going in order of the, of the priorities that we listed is Dear Man is essentially like the bones of any request that you're making. Um, and then you might add skills on top of it if the relationship and or your self-respect are the priority but not always. Sometimes you just care about your objective. Like what, I don't know, what, what, what would be an example of that, Molly, where you just care about your objective? 
I would say that this comes up the most in situations that where you're, where you're talking to somebody who you don't have a super close relationship with, mm -hmm. um, someone who you kind of just need to communicate something to in order to get the job done. Yeah. Um, so this came up, I feel like I always have landlord examples, but <laughs> this came up for me recently in a conversation that I needed to have with my landlord, something needed to get fixed. It wasn't getting fixed. And I did a simple dear man. I didn't use any of the relationship or self-respect skills. I just did a straight dear man focusing on the objective because being really blunt and being really clear about what I was asking for was the most effective thing. And I thought was most likely to be able to get the response that I was looking for. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think another example of a time when just kind of being blunt, saying what you want, of course, with a little bit of the context of a dear man, um, is saying no to someone. Um, and we're going to talk today about saying no, because it can be equally, if not more important than, um, asking for what you want. And sometimes, you know, you don't want to overcomplicate it because that would be less effective. You just want to be straightforward and set your boundary and just say no. Exactly. Yeah. And so while there are circumstances where you're doing just a straight dear man with no um, relationship skills kind of added on top of that or self-respect skills, I would say, and you know, tell me if you disagree, but I think it's pretty rare that that would happen. Like it does happen and it's not, and it's not the norm. Mm -hmm. um, usually you will be kind of factoring in your relationship with that person or your self-respect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think in, in most examples, certainly um, in the ways that I've used the skill in my life, I'm usually um, using, I'm usually piling on either the give or the fast skills, which correspond to prioritizing the relationship and or my self-respect. Um, so on that note today, we're going to go over the give skills, another acronym, as you'll see later on in the episode, which are to be used when keeping and improving your relationship with the person to whom you are delivering the dear man is a priority. So that's kind of what the focus is going to be for today. Yes. And next week we'll be talking about the fast skills, which are for when keeping and improving self-respect is your main priority. So we're going to start today with a role play like we did last time to give you a sense of how a dear man might look different when we are also incorporating the give skills, which are, is going to be the focus of our episode today. Let's get, let's go with the acting. Okay. So, oh, Liza, I miss you so much. I've been feeling so lonely lately. Can we do a Zoom hangout on Saturday night? Um, so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm so, uh, I'm so, 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 so sorry about this, but you know, I, I actually, um, my refrigerator is just a, a, a mess and I, I just can't find anything. And I just, I just really, you know, I just need so much time to clean it. I, I just think it's not going to work out because if I talk to you, then I just can't, you know, clean my fridge and do everything I need to do. And so I just, um, you know, I just think another night would be so much better and I'll just let you know, I'll text you like immediately when I have a better sense of when that would be. Okay. Um, <laughs> <Is that effective? laughs> 
it's so it's so obvious that you don't want to hang out with me yeah uh, that it hurts my feelings <laughs> so could you tell that i was lying and coming up yeah. with an excuse yes yes yeah. nobody cleans their refrigerator on a saturday night yeah um and even if they do it doesn't take that much time you know Yes, it was very I mean, I, I've been cleaning my refrigerator on Saturday nights during quarantine, but you know, that wouldn't be my excuse. <laughs> so let's let's talk about lying because I think I think people lie to get out of things so often. Um, why, right? There's a reason for all of our behavior. Why lie instead of just saying no and giving the real reason? Um, I, I think there's a few reasons that I can think of why people engage in lying behavior. Um, one is that it might be, they might think it's, it's more likely to get what you want if you lie, because you, when you, when you lie, you can kind of exaggerate the situation or, um, I don't know, maybe it's just more likely to achieve your objective, which may sometimes be the case. Um, I know somebody who used to say that she was sick when she wasn't to get out of things and it worked really well. Um, so, you know, mm -hmm. that's one reason. And I think another is that sometimes people feel really guilty about telling the truth or feel like they don't know how to say, like, I actually don't want to hang out with you. Like, that's a really difficult thing to say to somebody. Yeah. It's essentially avoidance, right? It's avoidance of the difficult, potentially difficult conversation, potentially hurting someone's feelings. And so it can seem easier to just kind of come up with an excuse. Um, and most often, not all the time, the person can tell and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just not as effective as just being straightforward. I was actually on a Zoom hangout a few weeks ago and it was on a Saturday, I would say at like, I don't know, five o'clock or something. And one of the people, you could tell they wanted to get off. And instead of just saying like, okay guys, like I'm gonna head off now. Um, they said, oh, I just realized I actually have a work meeting at 545. Uh, so I gotta go. And it was just like, oof, like it, it was obvious that that wasn't the case. Yeah, and I'm sure, again, I'm sure it was just, you know, it was some avoidance going on of maybe, yeah, of not wanting to hurt people's feelings. And exactly. again, as we said, it's been reinforced in the past, probably. And yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, it, and it's hard to kind of think on your feet. So we're mm -hmm. going to talk about that today of like, what are some alternatives to, you know, making up those types of excuses because there are some negative consequences. I will add to that, even if people can't tell that you're lying, um, and even if you can achieve your objective through saying something that's not truthful, it can over time damage self-respect to engage in lying behavior. And sometimes um, that can be a reason in and of itself for, for people to try to start working on more direct communication. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah, I think that's really true. And we're going to provide you with a more skillful way to respond if you feel like, as Molly said, the reason why you tend to make up excuses is because you just don't have the practice with saying things in a more straightforward, you know, way. Mm -hmm. Should yeah. we try it again and try our, <laughs> try our role play out again? Okay. okay. Um, 
Oh, so Liza, I miss you so much. I've been feeling so lonely lately. Can we please do a Zoom hangout on Saturday night? No, I don't think that's gonna work. Okay, well, um, is there a day that works better for you? What about Sunday? No, I don't really want to. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of an actual situation where that would happen in reality. I, I don't know that I've ever encountered that level of um, aggressive aggression, and maybe Direct some of you have. Yeah. And again, and like some people are really can can speak in really blunt ways, and if if their friends kind of know that that's the way that they talk, it might be forgiven. Mm -hmm. um, that's true. But I think given our relationship and the way that we usually communicate, if you said that to me, I would think you didn't want to be my friend anymore. <laughs> yeah, truly. I would be shocked and confused and, I, and not know what to say in response. Yes, yes. So should we try it again and see if we can make this even more effective? Yes. All right. Let's switch roles this time. Okay. Um, okay. So Molly, I really miss you. Love to do a Zoom hangout on Saturday night. You know, I've just been feeling so lonely lately and I think it would really help me feel less lonely. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I saw your text about the Zoom hangout um, that you sent me the other day too. And it makes so much sense that you'd want to do a Zoom because I know we're all feeling super isolated and lonely right now. I certainly can relate to that. My day-to-day -day life lately has been just working on the computer all day. And so I'm pretty screened out. Um, my eyes feel like they're burning. So doing a Zoom on a Saturday night isn't something that I really want to do right now. But once I have some time to rest, maybe in a couple weeks or so, I would love to plan a socially distanced walk, something in person so that we can be a little more mindful when we do actually hang out. How does that sound? Okay, yeah, I get that. Okay. Okay, much more effective. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I felt a little disappointed, of course, that my request was being denied, and obviously you're my friend, so maybe I could feel my moment of hurt that you didn't want to spend your time with me on a Saturday night, and I totally understood, and, and I could tell based on the very clear, um, kind of vulnerable reason you gave for not wanting to do it, that it wasn't personal to me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I understood and it, you said it in a very relatable way, you know, because probably I've also felt that Zoom fatigue, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah, I think it goes back to what we talked about last week of kind of orienting the other person and doing some work around that D, the describe mm. and express and kind of sharing what's going on for you that's leading you to make the decision that you've made or ask for what you're asking for. Yeah. Um, I think giving that information, sometimes we forget that other people don't know what we're thinking. Mm -hmm. And if I assumed that you knew that the reason that I didn't want to spend Saturday night on Zoom with you was because you should know that I'm already sick of Zoom. If I just didn't say that then, and if I just had said no, then you might have made up stories in your mind about why I didn't want to 
spend time with you and you wouldn't have actually known the real reason, which is not personal whatsoever. Yeah, so I think that really speaks to why this is more effective than the aggressive approach. At the same time, it speaks to why it's more effective than the coming up with an excuse or the passive approach. Because if you had done that, and I kind of sensed that it was an excuse and not, you know, and not true, whatever, whatever reason you were giving, I also would have had room to make up stories in my head and maybe take it more personally than if you just, you know, told it to me straight. Right. Mm-hmm. I also think something that I tried to do in this Dear Man that might be different than what we did last week because I was trying to highlight the give skills was that I validated you. And we'll get into the, what the give skills, skills actually mean, but you might have picked up on that there was a little more validation this week in that Dear Man than, than what we had last week. And so yeah. saying things like, yeah, we're all isolated right now. I totally get it. Yeah. And additionally, again, you can't, you can't, see this if you're listening, but Molly smiled, you know, she also used a little humor, um, said like the, you know, Zoom burnout or whatever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Screened out, that's what you said. Um, So it just wasn't, it wasn't like this really serious thing, you know, it was, it felt light and casual and and we'll go into that in a moment too. And it just kind of softened the blow a little bit. so yeah, so those were ways again in which in which she kind of Molly kind of riffed on the dear man to make it a little bit more personal to our relationship. Yes. So why don't we take a step back and talk about why the give skills are so important and how they can be useful to people, even even people who feel like they already are pretty interpersonally effective. Mm-hmm. I would say for me, it's been I generally use give skills in life. However, when I'm dysregulated, when I'm really anxious about something, um, or when I'm like upset with somebody and and trying and about to have a serious conversation with them, I forget to to use these skills. And so having them like knowing this as an actual skill to provide that roadmap in moments when I am more dysregulated is really helpful. Yeah. And I think probably people can relate to the way that you interact with other people when you're not dysregulated might be very, very different than the way that you interact with other people when you are dysregulated. Something you just said reminded me, I, I don't know if we've made this really crucial point about all of these interpersonal effectiveness skills yet, that when you're dysregulated, because you are angry, sad, frustrated, you know, feeling ashamed related to an interpersonal situation, like, it's really, really tempting to have this conversation in emotion mind. And I think we can all think back to times in our lives when we wish (laughs) that we had waited until we were in wise mind to confront the person, ask for what we want, say no, whatever it is. Um, And I think that one of the reasons that it's so helpful to think, okay, dear man, give fast, is that it can kind of get you into wise mind. Like that process of saying, all right, am I prioritizing the relationship? If so, how am I gonna use my gift skills? That process can kind of calm you down, help you regulate your emotions, um, and then be much more effective when you're confronting the person rather than just like calling them and screaming at them over the phone. Kind of similarly, 
talking about how these skills can be used to kind of regulate emotions. Um, one of the emotions that these skills are particularly helpful for is the feeling of resentment. Um, uh, <laughs> resentment <laughs> in relationships. I think we could do many episodes on this. And actually, one of our listeners wrote to us about how to decrease resentment. And so we want to talk about it now because we think it's really relevant um, when talking about the give skills to, to discuss how, how they, you know, how this applies to decreasing resentment in relationships. Yes. Yeah. No, that email from the listener came at a perfect time because yeah. this is very, very relevant to this episode. Um, and I think we can all relate, like who hasn't experienced resentment in relationships? Hmm. You know, <laughs> we all have. And and like, why do you think that we've all experienced resentment, even in our really close relationships or friendships? Yeah, I think the main culprit is not confronting issues as they arise. Um, mm -hmm. I think, you know, a lot of us can relate to this. Um, there's a lot of reasons to avoid, you know, conflict. Um, <laughs> a lot of emotions to avoid, a lot of, um, you know, not wanting to lose the relationship, not wanting to damage the relationship. And so it can seem easier to just kind of brush things off. Um, and the problem is that then resentment builds and builds and the relationship is damaged anyway, you know, that mm -hmm. avoiding that confrontation doesn't really help in the long run because then the resentment builds and gets in the way. I know. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to see that in the moment. Like in the moment, the thought process is, okay, well, if I just let this go, if I don't bring this thing up, then we won't have to deal with it. And we'll just be able to kind of pretend that everything's okay in the relationship. Yeah. And it's almost like if I don't name it, then it doesn't exist or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but of course, emotions don't work like that. And so it still exists inside you, even if you're not acknowledging it. And or if you're self-invalidating, to call back to another episode, right? If you're telling yourself that you shouldn't be feeling that way, you don't deserve to be feeling that way. Yeah, um, that's a that, really good point. Yeah. That's probably a, a huge reason why resentment builds is because we don't say things um, because we don't think that we have the right to. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have an example related to resentment that I think um, that we can kind of talk about throughout the episode. Um, and, it, and, and you'll see how it relates to resentment and also how give skills might have been helpful here. Mm, okay. So a friend of mine, let's call her Shirley. She told me about a time when her friend, her very close friend was getting married. Let's call that person Martha. Okay. Um, <laughs> And, <laughs> and Martha didn't ask Shirley to be in her wedding party, mm. despite the fact that she asked a few of her other really close friends. Um, and Shirley thought that she and Martha were closer with each other. Like she thought they were best friends. Mm. And so she was kind of confused and surprised when she wasn't asked to be in her wedding party. Yeah. So again, so I think like, like we were just talking about in an effort to avoid the conflict and not wanting to, you know, have an issue in the relationship, she decided not to say anything directly and instead to just make some kind of passive aggressive comments just to indicate that she was hurt yeah. and confused. Yep. And those comments prompted Martha, her friend, to provide 
actually a very reasonable and thoughtful explanation about why she hadn't asked my friend to be in her wedding party. Okay. So in the end, it actually did make a lot of sense. Um, but unfortunately, by that point, there was already so much resentment that was built up in Shirley. And really, all of this probably could be, have been avoided if her friend Martha had just brought that conversation up initially using some of the skills that we'll be talking about today, the give skills. Yeah, and one of the things that I was thinking as you were telling this story that I think is all too common um, in mm -hmm. relationships you know, whether it's with this type of example or something different where it's just, you know, one person is feeling hurt, doesn't bring it up, kind of makes passive aggressive comments, the resentment builds. I think, you know, this, we can also call this back to our episode on the biosocial theory and the concept of transactions in relationships where one person's behavior influences the other person's behavior. So I could imagine yes. that Martha, the one who um, was getting married, probably noticed Shirley's passive-aggressive behavior, um, and then I'm sure felt less close to Shirley as a result, and probably pulled back a little bit, which may have prompted um, Shirley to act even more passive-aggressive, which made Martha pull back even more, you know, so we can see how this one thing that could have, you know, pretty easily been confronted early on can actually really damage relationships over time um, on both ends, you know, and that's another reason why it's, if you can just kind of get it out in the open when it's not such a big deal yet, um, really a lot of damage can be avoided. Yeah, I, that's such a great point that it is so related to that transaction in the biosocial theory. And I think also just kind of, it's so, it's so it's it's honest it's kind of ironic because everyone's goal here is to have a closer relationship that's what both people wanted the reason that martha didn't bring it up in the first place is because she didn't want to hurt her friend and the reason that shirley didn't bring up that she was hurt is because she didn't want to have more distance in the relationship and exactly. ultimately by not having those conversations that is exactly what happened because of that transaction that you described all right, so let's go back in time and pretend that um, <laughs> pretend that we're speaking with <laughs> Martha um, and or Charlene. We can do both. We'll see. Um, and let's pretend that we were kind of teaching them the give skills, and they could have used this in order to avoid the damage that ultimately was caused in their relationship. So, in doing so, we will teach you what each letter of the acronym GIVE stands for and how you can apply it in your own um, interpersonal interactions. Okay, so we'll start with G. Um, the G stands for being gentle, which essentially means being kind and respectful, like at the most basic level. Mm. And then if you get a little more specific, it involves not threatening others, not attacking others. So um, expressing yourself really directly and using kindness with your words. Yeah. 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 Just sort of being, being as kind as possible, not being judgmental, not blaming the other person. Um, you know, again, this is all trying to avoid uh, or prevent defensiveness because we all know that when we confront someone, um, 
if we do it in a way that is likely to make them feel defensive, I think we all know it's just not going to get anywhere. The interaction is just going to stop there and they're not really going to hear us. So this, these skills are really to maximize the possibility that the person you're speaking to hears you and understands what you want. Um, so if you can do that in a way that's non-judgmental, that's not attacking or blaming them, it's very likely that they're going to, or it's much more likely that they're not going to get defensive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you think about, we've all been in this situation where you have a roommate or a partner or someone who leaves their dishes in the sink all the time or leaves their dishes all over the house or something. Yeah. Um, if you say to them, like, you shouldn't leave your dishes in the sink, who do you think is going to clean up after you? You think we have a maid? You know, <laughs> something kind of judgmental like that. Um, that's going to likely lead to defensiveness and anger and, um, yeah, they might put their dishes away that one time, but it's probably, you know, not going to be very effective in the long run. Yeah. And it would probably be a lot better for your relationship if you said something really simple of just like, hey, could you please do your dishes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to that with being non-judgmental, I think, you know, if the situation allows for it, like if your past relationship supports this, really giving the other person the benefit of the doubt maximizes the likelihood that they're going to hear you and not be defensive. You know, I, I'm thinking about this with, with Martha and Shirley, you know, if, if Shirley had confronted Martha and said like, Hey, you know, I am sure you didn't mean for me to feel this way. And I feel hurt. That's very different than approaching her with, you obviously don't care about my feelings. You know, it's like, we don't, we, rarely know what's going on in someone else's mind and what the full extent of the circumstances are. And so just adopting an attitude of like, I don't know what happened here. I'm sure it wasn't intentional. And this is how I feel is just much more likely to be effective. Yes. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. Yeah. I think sometimes when we feel hurt, we make up stories in our minds that might be like the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the reason for that, but maybe at some level, it's like, you know, to protect yourself. If you think of the worst case scenario, then you're prepared for the worst case scenario, or you're almost getting ready to say like, okay, well, I don't need this person in my life. Um, like it's a shield kind of that you're putting up to protect yourself. And so, yeah, but these stories that you come up with may often, at least I know the ones that come up in my mind, don't often give the other person the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> so just kind of being aware that like, yes, that's a thought that you're having and it may be true. Um, and there are likely a lot of other explanations as there were, as we saw in this example. Yeah. And then finally, just really quickly, part of the being gentle and kind, um, as long as the situation calls for it, um, is really just to be mindful of your body language, not just the words that you're saying. So as I mentioned earlier in Molly's effective um, <laughs> dear man earlier, she, you know, smiled at me. She was fully present. Her body was turned toward me. Um, you know, she wasn't rolling her eyes at me. Like <laughs> just all our body language can sometimes say more than our words. And so it's just really important to keep that in mind. I will also just say with regard to eye rolling, I've been accused of rolling my eyes when I didn't know that I was rolling my eyes. Me too. Oh my gosh. Many times throughout my life. I've been, yes. Oh, it's the worst because you're not doing it. You don't feel like you're doing it on purpose. No, no. 
no, you, you don't, you don't realize you're doing it, but obviously you're having judgments <laughs> and your body is showing that whether or not you want it to, yeah. um, just to plug, to be aware of if your eyes are rolling without your consent, um, <laughs> <laughs> because it kind of undermines, like no matter how effective you are trying to be with your words, if you're rolling your eyes, that's what people are going to see. Other people can certainly tell when you're doing that, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, let's move on to the I and give. Um, and again, you got to bear with the acronym here. Um, I is to act interested, um, which, again, we're not advocating being fake or lying. Um, we're advocating for you to act interested in the thing that, you know, you do find interesting. Um, so finding the kernel of the kernel of truth there and what might be interesting about what the person is saying. Um, and we also want to acknowledge that this may require opposite action. If you're feeling really mad or hurt or something, like it may, you may have the urge to just kind of turn away from the other person, curl up in a ball, and it's if you think about it from their perspective, it's much more effective if you can just sort of be present and really act like you care about what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like the body language aspect of acting interested kind of relates to what we talked about, maintaining eye contact, if, you know, if that's appropriate in the situation. Um, and also one of the main ways that you can act interested is just by really listening. Yeah. And you kind of need to listen in an active way in order to get to the V, which we'll get to in a second, which is validating. Um, you, it's really hard to validate somebody or to understand where they're coming from without first listening to them. Yeah. So acting interested, you know, just kind of hearing what they're saying so that you can validate it and it can be more of a conversation. Yeah. So that brings us to the V, which is validate. I mean, I think you probably remember from our validation episode that this, this is just the skill that's gonna get the other person to feel calmer, that's gonna get the other person to um, feel like you understand where they're coming from. And we just know that that works wonders in kind of having the other person listen to you care about your perspective things like that like validation is just one of the most effective tools out there um for getting what you want for improving relationships like kind of for anything in interpersonal interactions it's so 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 important um, to review what we mean when we say validate is to identify the kernel of truth in the other person's perspective yeah or to identify what makes sense about what they're saying. And again, you know, go back and listen to the validate episode if you want to learn more about this, but it's not about saying that the other person is right and you're wrong, um, or about saying that everything that they're saying is, is valid or their whole perspective is valid. It's just about kind of picking out what you, what is, what is actually valid and what does make sense about where they're coming from and communicating that to them. Yeah, I think when we talked about this in the validation episode, we talked about how this is kind of grease for the wheels of change. And it's like, it's just going to get the other person to be in a place where they can listen to you and, and potentially change their behavior. Yes, for sure. 
And so in order to validate, you know, you sometimes got to just put yourself in the other person's shoes. I know that's not easy for me when I'm dysregulated, when I'm mad at somebody. The last thing I want to do is think about their perspective. Yep. Um, and I think that's like what you were saying, Liza, about the opposite action when it comes to acting interested, you know, this, all of this stuff using these give skills will probably require opposite action. Um, it's not easy to validate somebody else when you're angry at them. Yeah. Very well said. <laughs> um, and then lastly, the E in the give is using an easy manner. So I love, I love this. Um, and I think it's, really cool that this is actually part of the skill. The way that I think about easy manner is basically like being a little charming, you know, mm. using some humor, being lighthearted, not coming in, being super serious or intense in the way that you're presenting. We need to talk, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's. Yeah. Again, this, this kind of is what we talked about earlier with sort of like easing the blow if you're delivering something that might be difficult for the other person to hear. Um, just lightening the mood can go such a long way. Um, Molly and I both listened to a podcast where they had on a relationship therapist as a guest recently. And I think he said that if you're, you know, texting someone in a dating situation, like, are you going to send me your number or am I going to live in your DMs forever? Um, <laughs> that if you put a smiley face afterward, that reads so differently. Like, I feel like the first one would read, so what's the deal here? You know, are you going to, am I going to live in your DMs forever or are you ever going to text me? You know, right. yes. the second one is like kind of, you know, lighter and more fun and it just it's kind shows of me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so remembering to like, yeah, the easy manner, if you're doing it through text, emojis, mm -hmm. you know, or in person, just smiling, body language, humor, all those kinds of things. Yeah. Again, this is all aimed at increasing the likelihood of getting the response that you want. And so just put yourself in the other person's shoes. You know, how would you feel if you heard this information that was like said so seriously versus with just, you know, a little lightness and humor? Mm-hmm. Should we try to, now that we've taught what the acronym actually means, maybe we can walk through a dear man using these give skills, using this Martha Shirley example. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let me, let me just try something off the top of my head and then you can give me feedback. Okay. So, all right. Um, I'll be, I guess I'll be Martha. And I'll be talking about how you're not going to, how I, I haven't selected you to be selected to be make the cut. All right. Um, so Shirley, as you know, I'm getting married soon and congratulations. Thank you so much. Yeah. I can't wait for you to be there. It's going to be so much fun. Um, and you know, I just want to let you know that I've decided to have a pretty small wedding party with just Susan, Jessica, <laughs> and um, Jack. We'll make this a, we'll make this a co-ed wedding party. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to explain the reason. Obviously, I'm a little nervous telling you this because, of course, I don't want to hurt your feelings. 
you're such an important friend to me. And there's a really clear reason why, um, why I chose other people and not you. And it's just because of geographic location. I think it'll be easier to have people who live in the same city as me, you know, be there for the events. Um, and also I know based on past conversations that this doesn't seem like it would be the easiest thing for you. So I have tried to be as deliberate about it as possible. And I would love to hear how you're feeling about it so we can just talk and, you know, have one of these fun bridesmaids conversations. Okay. Oh, I love that. That felt great. Thank you. What felt great about it? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult conversation to have. Like, I will say that. And what I really appreciated was your easy manner. Like you did it in a very genuine way. It felt very, um, it felt like I'm talking to Liza, my friend, you know, it didn't feel like, I think sometimes when, when we get nervous to have conversations, sometimes it can almost feel like you're talking to a different person. Um, because it gets, it can get so serious and you're not used to interacting with the person in that way. Yeah. But you kept your same personality, same lightness, same kind of vibe overall mm-hmm. while explaining again it it seems like it just keeps coming back to like giving some context giving some background and explaining the reason why which makes a lot of sense and again is not personal yeah um, yeah and just the fact that you had this conversation with me showed me that you valued my our relationship the fact that you didn't avoid it even though it would have been a lot easier to do so Yeah. And I mean, I just want to validate for any of you planning to have a conversation like this. You know, the reason that I was able to keep my easy manner and be myself was that this isn't real and (laughs) really happen. I think if I were really telling Molly that this, you know, this, this was the case, I think it would be a lot harder. So again, this is where other skills need to come in beforehand that, you know, emotion regulation skills, mindfulness skills, um, to maximize the chance of it going well like that. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think too, like, depending on where you're at and your skill level with this, um, sometimes it's easier to write it out, like to like mm-hmm. send an email or, yeah. or, you know, not do it face to face. If you don't feel like you have the skills to be able to do that at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really like that suggestion kind of as a way to work up to it. I mean, obviously, when you're doing it face-to-face, you have more of an opportunity for to use the give skills, you know, to be fully present, to use your mindful body language, to smile, things like that. Um, and I agree that if you're just not there yet, it can be helpful to kind of work up to it, starting smaller. Let's move on from the Martha Shirley example as much as I... Love <laughs> uh, just just to spice it up a little um what let's let's think of some other examples of where the give skills might be important based on keeping the relationship as the main priority here okay well i can think of i can think of a few Um, I know I used to do a lot of babysitting before I came to grad school Hmm. and there was often situations where, um, I would get to the 
the family's house and then they would say like, oh, actually, could you stay until midnight, even though I was only planning to stay till 10 or that's what we had previously agreed on. Okay. And that was difficult, I think, from both sides, like probably difficult for the family to ask me that and difficult for me to say no if that wasn't something that I was comfortable with. Okay. So I can, I can kind of practice with that one first. Okay, great. So are you going to be the parents or the babysitter? I will do it from the parents' perspective. Okay. All right. So I'll be the babysitter. Yes. Hey, Liza. Um, so I know when we texted about this a couple of days ago, I had said that we were going to be out until 10 p.m. And actually, I just learned that the party that we're supposed to go to won't end until midnight. Okay. Um, so um, I feel sorry and I'm nervous to ask you to stay later because I know that it's that midnight is pretty, pretty late and you don't live super close to our home. Um, and I am wondering if you could stay until midnight tonight. We would really appreciate it. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't had a night out in a while, just us two. And so we would be super grateful and we would obviously compensate you for your time. Um, if you are able to do that. Sure, no problem. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was such an effective ask. I think, again, it really, your body language, which our listeners can't see, was a really big part of why that was so effective. It just, your shoulders were relaxed. I felt comfortable. You smiled, you laughed. Um, I really liked the part about you know, the reason we're asking you for this is because it's important to us to have this extra time out. Um, it just was very compelling, you know, <laughs> that you provided that context. And in terms of the give, the give skills specifically, the validate I thought was really effective. Um, this is, I think, a type of validation where you're kind of doing some guessing about what the other person might be feeling, even though I didn't yeah. say, you know, oh, I live so far away. And it's late and I'm tired, you kind of guessed that. And, you know, I may have corrected you if you were wrong, if I wasn't tired or if I lived close, you know, <laughs> the fact that you said that I think just made me feel like, oh, but my, my boss here like really cares about me as a person and wouldn't ask me this if she didn't really, you know, want this. This yeah. was important. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good point that sometimes validating can require a little bit of mind reading. Usually we're not fans of mind reading, but when it comes to validating, sometimes it actually can be, it can feel good if you feel like somebody's really taking the effort to put themselves in your shoes. So I'm yeah. glad that that came across. Yeah. All right. Should we try another one? Yeah, let's try one last one. Um, so we've been getting some listener questions about kind of using these skills in dating or romantic situations. Um, and so one, of, one example that we thought could be helpful would be if someone proposes a certain date idea or something like that, um, that you aren't quite comfortable with yet, however you like the person and wanna prioritize the relationship and move it forward, you just like aren't exactly on the same page yet, which I think happens quite often at the beginning of relationships. Um, I think if you didn't feel comfortable and didn't wanna see the person again, of course, that would be a different, um, <laughs> that would be a different skill that you would use or a different way you would use the skill. Um, and let's just kinda, let's just kinda go through this together, like how you would, convey to someone that you like them, that you 
that you want to keep seeing them and you don't want to do this particular thing that they're suggesting. Okay. That sounds good. So for the sake of the example, um, let's say that the other person wants you to come over to their apartment, but you're not comfortable with that yet. Okay, great. I think that's a good one to help people, you know, navigate. Um, okay, so I could see say, saying something like, um, you know, describing the situation. Saw your text about the Netflix and chill night. <laughs> um, you know, I actually don't feel comfortable with that yet. Pretty solid express. Um, and I'm trying to think of a way to validate, you know, the person for asking that without validating the thing itself. If it's something you're not comfortable with, I think that can be a little tricky. Um, yeah, that's true. And I, I wonder if this is where that mind reading might come in and also giving the person the benefit of the doubt. So like mm -hmm. we are in the middle of a pandemic and given, given that, you know, assuming that you both have been quarantined and that this is a safe situation, you know, um, <laughs> maybe it's, it is harder to find dates to go out and do things. Mm -hmm. So that could be a potential validate of like, yeah. you know, I appreciate that you were trying to like come up with an idea that is possible during this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know it's hard to come up with um, date ideas right now. <laughs> or I can imagine it would be hard to come up with date ideas right now. And um, I don't feel comfortable with that right now. Um, you know, can we just the assert would be like, can we think of another idea? Mm hmm um can't wait to see you and go on another date yeah oh i love that mm, and maybe put a little smiley face at the end if it's a text or obviously yeah. smile if you're, <laughs> if you're <a> <laughs> <laughs> just hold up your phone and type an emoji <laughs> 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 yeah any other so so in terms of the give skills we talked about validating um i think the appear interest or the act interested one is really important here when you're conveying to someone that even though you don't like their specific date idea you do like them you know mm -hmm. the interest is important with body language with mindfulness skills and you're reinforced, like, I can't wait to see you. I think yeah. that was one way that you showed, showed interest as well. Yeah. Mm, I liked doing that collaboratively because I think, you know, that would be, that would be a hard one. Um, yeah. It's, 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 it's tough to find, to validate the, the valid. I think that was the hardest yeah. part is, is trying to, trying to use, like, obviously you want to use these relationship, these give skills, because you like this person and you want to continue to build and maintain this relationship, this new relationship. Mm -hmm. So they're super important. And you don't want to be communicating that something is okay with you that isn't actually okay with you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's right. kind of I, that's why it's, that's why it's important to say, you know, I, I, can imagine it's hard to come up with date ideas and I don't feel comfortable. And that's why saying that I don't feel comfortable very directly is important because 
especially for your own self-respect, potentially, you know, you want the person to understand what you are and aren't comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I hope that these, that hearing these different role plays has been helpful for you. We try, we're trying to infuse these interpersonal effectiveness episodes with as many role plays and examples as we possibly can so that you can get a sense of what different, what these skills actually sound like in practice and how they can differ depending on the context. Yeah. And another thing I just want to end with is that Molly and I just did that last year, man, using the give skills pretty collaboratively. And I think that's a good example of um, how we talk to each other in real life and run these by each other before we deliver them. And this is just another plug for getting a DBT skills buddy. Um, just really two, two minds are better than one here and practicing a dear man with a, with a, you know, support someone who's supportive in your life before you deliver it is just really going to increase the likelihood that it will be effective. Absolutely. Yes. And if you don't know people who are familiar with DBT or don't know these skills, like you can teach them to your friends. Mm -hmm. Um, you can also obviously refer them to listen to our podcast, listen to it together. We have some fans who do that and they find it really helpful. Yeah. Um, and as always, you know, if you want to stay up to date with what we're doing and our episodes and all of that, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, Therapists in the Wild. And, you know, email us with any suggestions, feedback, questions, anything like that, therapistsinthewild at gmail.com. Yeah, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And next week we will review the give skills and then get into the fast skills, which will help you when you're prioritizing your self-respect in interpersonal interactions. So until next week, stay skillful, everyone. Mm -hmm.